Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. A special note on this episode. Uh, we will be discussing the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. This horrendous event involves children, gun violence, and the loss of life. So please be aware of this fact before continuing. Thank you. I'm uh, walking Jesse out to the end of the driveway where he's being picked up by his dad, who's going to take him to the school. And I noticed that he had written in the frost on the side of my car with his little fingernail, uh, I love you. So I ran inside, got my phone, came back out. I remember taking him by his shoulders and positioning him by the message so I could get him and the message in the shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I gave him a big hug, put him in the car and sent him off. That was the last time I saw him. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Katie's Crib. Back in February of this year, I sat down with Scarlett Lewis, a mother who lost her son Jesse in the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School in 2012. Jesse was one of 26 innocent lives murdered that day. At the time we recorded this interview, I couldn't have imagined that just a few months later, our nation would be facing the second deadliest school shooting on record. Like many of you, my heart breaks for the 21 victims fatally shot in the massacre at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. I mourn for their families and for the students and faculty members present that day. I'm also absolutely enraged knowing that this was preventable. In this episode, you'll hear Scarlett Lewis's story, a mother who in the wake of tragedy chose to dedicate her life to be a part of the solution. Her resilience is absolutely awe-inspiring. Scarlett is the founder of the Choose Love Movement, an organization inspired by Jesse Lewis, his final acts of love at six years old, and Scarlett's own path of forgiveness. She's the author of Nurturing Healing Love, a memoir of her journey toward choosing love and forgiveness, as well as From Sandy Hook to the World, an in-depth look at how Scarlett founded the Choose Love Movement. The movement's Choose Love for Schools program is a no-cost, comprehensive, lifespan, next-generation, social and emotional learning and character development program empowering educators and students to choose love, to handle adversity, and manage their emotions. Here's my conversation with Scarlett Lewis. Can you believe 2012? I mean, is that nine years? What are we at? Nine years ago? Ten years? Nine years. I Yes. Uh, sometimes it seems like a long time ago. And sometimes it seems like yesterday. I'm sure. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about Jesse? I would love to. <laughs> yes. Jesse, I, I like to introduce him by saying he was born 11 pounds. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of uh, Ben and Jerry's caramel sutra ice cream. Um, but anyway, Uh, very big. And he was a C-section. So the first time that I saw him, I walked to the nursery and all of these nurses were gathered around the window taking pictures. So I walked up behind them and I said, what are you taking pictures of? And they said, there is this enormous baby and he is trying to crawl out of his bassinet. So, you know, those clear plastic bassinet. Mm -hmm. So he had crawled all the way to the bottom. He was determined to get out. Wow. At less than 24 (laughs) hours old. We all know that a lot of our listeners are either pregnant, have little ones, toddlers. And so they know the clear hospital bassinet very well. But 11 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Right. I mean, think about that next to a regular six or seven pounder. Yeah. That was a really big baby. And and really, I tell that story because that's the way that he was his entire life. He was larger than life. He was 
loud, but he was fun and smiling and loving. And he was uh, just, just really this huge light all the time. I read also he was very active. He was like a goer, like had a lot of energy. Reminds me so much of my son. Um, who is he named after somebody? Actually, um, so his brother's name is JT and I wanted another J. And uh, I was talking to my mom and we just thought that Jesse McCord sounded like a cowboy name. It does. I love it. Yeah. And Jesse is in our family tree. So it just fit. So I know you mentioned that you have a vivid memory of Jesse riding on your car, actually, the day that the school shooting happened with his finger. And he wrote, I love you on the car. Do you have any other favorite memories of the two of you together or any funny ones? Oh, gosh. Uh, lots, lots and lots of memories. I mean, maybe, maybe my favorite memory and my favorite times with him were early in the morning and going to bed. But uh, in the morning, I would get up early. I was a single mom. So I would be fixing myself coffee and just sitting down to have that one cup of coffee first thing in the morning before the boys got up and he would come in all sleepy with his blanket and he would kind of paddle over and he'd straddle me in my lap and just, just nestle in. And we would just have those few minutes in the morning of just cuddling and snuggling. And, ah, I just, I just knew that those were life's moments. Those were those were the 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 best of the best. <laughs> I love hearing yeah. that. Yeah. If you're comfortable, um, can you talk to us about what happened that day for you? Absolutely. Uh, so, um, as you said, you know, I'm I'm uh, walking Jesse out to the end of the driveway where he's being picked up by his dad, who's going to take him to the school. And I turn around to give him a hug. And I notice that he had written in the frost on the side of my car with his little fingernail. Remember, this is Connecticut on December 14th, cold. Uh, I love you. And he had drawn hearts in all of my windows. And I just, I knew that that was one of life's moments. And despite the fact that I was running late and I had to get to work and his dad was there ready to pick him up, I said, don't go anywhere. I ran inside. I got my phone. Wow. Yes. I mean, I, I practiced being present with my boys. I, I was I was a single mom. I remember the day that I realized I spent more time at work than I did with my boys during the week. I literally came home that day, unplugged my TV and took it to Goodwill on my way to work the next morning. And I practiced being present. We played games. We read. Thankfully, it was before screens. Right. And we just really enjoyed each other. We laughed. We live on a farm. So we were out with our animals, playing outside, getting dirt under our fingernails, which I always wanted my boys to do. So we had a lot of fun. And, uh, and so I credit that practice with realizing this is, this is one of life's moments. So I ran inside, got my phone, came back out. I remember taking him by his shoulders and positioning him by the message so I could get him and the message in the shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, in the shot. I took a picture. I remember looking at it. It was overexposed. I deleted it. I took another one still overexposed. And then I took a real close up of, I love you. Now that, that was in the frost. It would have been gone within 15 minutes. Sure. I gave him a big hug, put him in the car and sent him off. That was the last time I saw him. After sending Jesse off, I got in my car. I drove my 45 minutes commute, got to the office, was getting settled in. And I had a coworker that was at home watching the news and she instant messaged me via the system that we had at work and said, there's been a shooting in Sandy Hook. And, you know, nothing like that ever happens to just normal people. And, and, and so I thought, oh, that's terrible. You know, I wonder what the circumstances are and just kind of kept going on my way. And then I had 
people coming up to my desk, you know, that it was at a school and still I thought terrible. Um, but it would never occur to you, your school or your children. Like, yeah, you're just never, right. No. Never. And then, uh, you know, I think we, we realized it was Sandy hook elementary school. And then somebody said, I think a teacher got shot in the foot. And immediately I thought, jealous boyfriend or, you know, yeah. Marital domestic dispute. Of course. Of course. Right. And so I got in my car, I told my boss, I have to leave, got in my car, I'm driving there and I've got friends calling me on the cell phone, giving me updates. Um, I'm talking to his dad who is further away than I am. So I said, it's all right. I'm, I'm going to be there in this amount of minutes. I'll pick him up. I'll let you know, you know, when I have him in the car, Uh, And I really wasn't, I really wasn't all that concerned until I pulled up onto the street of the elementary school and there were first responders everywhere. Uh, Like seemingly the military was there. There were helicopters. There was, you know, every ambulance looked like from the state and cars were lining the road on both sides and I had to park really far away. And, you know, it took me 45 minutes to get there. And so a lot of parents had already been there and been reunited with their kids and they were walking them to the car. And so I got out of my car and I started to run. Um, And I don't know, it seems like it was a quarter of a mile. I don't know how far away I parked, but I saw the first official person in a uniform and I started looking for Jesse Lewis. And uh, he was the father of one of Jesse's older brother's friends. So he knew me and he said, Hey, look, go into the back room and put his, you know, if you can't find him, put his name down on the list of missing people. And I remember thinking, I'm not putting his name down list of missing people. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to find him and bring him home. And so I'm, I'm kind of looking around, I'm asking people, I'm watching tearful reunions and people leaving. Then somebody said, you know what? I think that he went to the, the house to, on the left of the firehouse. So, so we were supposed to congregate at the firehouse, be reunited sure. and then take Leave. your kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, the firehouse was at the end of the cul-de-sac where the, uh, the school was. And so there was a little yellow house on the left of the firehouse. And so someone said, I think that he and his classmates went there. So, uh, so by this time, Neil is getting closer and he's texting with me and I'm texting him. I'm going, I'm going to the yellow house on the left side. Why don't you look at the daycare on the right side? So uh, I knocked on the door and someone answered. I said, is Jesse Lewis here? They, he said, uh, I think that he was, but I think that they went to the daycare. So then I'm telling you, look at, right. you know, you're on this goose chase. You're on this wild chase. Here. Yeah. I'm like, all right, well, then I'm going up to the school. You go to the hospital at this point. Like it's been a little while and nobody knows anything. Nobody's saying anything. So I I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm going to go up to the school. Now it had barricades and it literally had military men with AK-47s guarding it, you know? So I walk up to one and I'm like, I'm going, you know, I don't know where my son is and I'm going into the school to find him. And he said, no, you're not, you're not, I can't allow you to go up there. And I'm like, well, (laughs) you know, I'm a parent, I am going to go. And I was determined and he wouldn't let me. Uh, And so, you know, I'm, I'm nervous, but, but now we're being told there, there were a bunch of parents and, it's, it's always like, go into that back room and put his name down on that list. And I'm just, I just don't want his name on the list. I don't even know why mm-hmm. I just want to find him. And finally, finally, I go into that back room and there's this loose leaf sheet of paper. And it's the list is so long of missing people. Uh, I turn it over. I write his name on the back. Never in a million years did I think that those people were dead. I just didn't. Um, I'm, I'm there. Somebody had gotten pizzas. I mean, to me, this was just so absurd. And they were saying, why everybody have some pizza. So I'm like, I'm not having pizza. I'm finding my son, you know, so I'm trying to look for his teacher or anybody that knew him. And there was this 
room full of teachers um, that were eating pizza, which just is like so weird to me. Right. And I said, have you guys seen Jesse? And they all look at each other, you know, and they're all like, just shaking their heads or whatever. And I, and instead of like getting it, I was so annoyed. I was like, why isn't anybody saying anything? Right, right, right. And so, um, you know, the first responders would, would tell us, you know, we're still searching the buildings and that made sense to me. I thought, you know what? I, I literally thought Jesse took a small contingent of kids out into the woods. They said they're searching the woods around the school. I said, yeah, he probably took a small contingent of kids out. Mm-hmm. That's just Jesse. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to take them a while to find them. They said they were looking for them in the school. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, now we know they were just trying to identify the bodies, but they didn't tell us that. Mm-hmm. Was it a long amount of time until the pieces all hours. fit together? Oh. Wow. Hours, hours, hours of waiting hours of in waiting. that back room. No, I wouldn't be in, I would not stay in the back room. I was the problem. <laughs> so I just didn't want to be in that room. So you were just taught, you were like, give me answers, give me answers. You were, well, I was, but I was also waiting. And so I wanted to be outside by that time. My mother lives in town and my stepfather had come and they had actually gotten Jesse's older brother who had been in lockdown in middle school. And, uh, he came to wait with us. And, uh, so we were all there and I just remember thinking, I have to have peace for right now for, for JT, for, for, you know, Jesse's older brother. And sure. And so we waited outside, but the police kept us right outside in the, of the line of the media site. So brought us chairs and we're just kind of sitting there, waiting. And then, um, the first responders would come and they would ask questions, trying to be nonchalant. Do you have any recent pictures of Jesse? And by that time my phone was dead. And so I went into a police car to charge the phone enough so that I could show some pictures. Yeah. Recent picture. And then a little while later, another one came up and said, does Jesse have any identifying marks on his body? And I was like, God, that's not a good question, but I remembered his little mole on his, I still can't remember which foot left or right foot top of the foot. So I told them about that. And, um, it was a little while after that, that they, um, that someone told me that he was among the victims and, and, and the parents were told one by one. And it was just like, it was almost like my, my vision, just, I had tunnel vision. I, I know that there was stuff going on around me after I was told. I know that there are other parents being told and they were dropping to the ground and yelling. I just was focused on what was right in front of me. And that was Jesse's older brother. And by the time that we were told my other, I have a middle brother who had come up from uh, another town in Connecticut. I had, I have three brothers and, um, two of my brothers had come. And then, uh, after we were told my youngest brother and his wife had come down from Boston and, uh, it didn't, it wasn't even really real to me until I watched my mom walk across the parking lot and tell my little brother, uh, what had happened. And I watched him just, fold over. And I thought, Oh my God, this is real. This is really happening. I can't even believe this. Wow. And how did you, uh, get the information that he had told his classmates to run away? I'm sure stories started to just unfold and unfold and unfold in the day. It did not that day, Mm -hmm. not that day, but very shortly after, um, we had been assigned a state trooper, And uh, so he stayed with us and he was getting information. He became part of our family, actually. And he told us that um, the shooter had uh, killed his principal and guidance counselor um, that had had been meeting with a parent uh, in the first grade hallway. And they had come out of one of the rooms on the right hand side of the hallway, right across from Jesse's classroom. Uh, had killed them when they came into the hallway. Then he had turned left into Jesse's classroom 
and uh, most likely killed his teacher and then his gun ran out of bullets. And so while he was changing his clip that Jesse had saved, had literally called to his friends and directed them to run. And they said that it was because Jesse told them to run that they ran. And he's, he's credited with saving nine wow. of his lives before um, before the shooter reloaded and then killed everyone in that classroom and then went to the next classroom, killed everyone in that one before the police came. Uh, he heard the sirens, came back into Jesse's classroom and then killed himself. And I'm sorry, that's probably way too much information. Not at all. Thank you so much for sharing the story. I think a lot of people who are listening um, may or may not know, you know, probably obviously know the story, but to hear all of the um, details, it's it's important that we hear them and you are heard and the story is never forgotten and we hear it and we know it and we are helpful to your foundation to make sure that we are changing and 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 making things like this not happen. I think it's so important that that we we hear the truth and that yes. we don't forget it because it's only if we acknowledge that that we're able to change it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. or you're very much like that won't happen to me or something or that was someone else's story. That was but, me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it's like our children really and so much of this podcast is making people feel not alone, but also we keep coming to this this theme, especially in this season's podcast, about how all of our children are all of our children. We can't just yeah. um take care of our own individual children because it, it's not it's not helping things that we want to change and things that we want to learn from and grow from only happen when I put everyone else's children and my ch like put them ahead of my children. And this is the the greater good, the collective. Um, we are responsible for the safety, health and well-being of our children. That's right. And, you know, I, I'll tell you what, nine years and one day. I was, you know, just thinking, uh, all I can do is raise my two boys to the best of my ability, love them as much as I can, teach them as much as I can, make sure they get educated right. and they are productive members of society. And then, you know, my son is brutally murdered in his first grade classroom alongside 19 first grade classmates and six educators and one of the worst mass murders in U.S. history. Let me tell you something. This is Sandy Hook. That doesn't happen there. I live on a farm. I mean, so, so I realized, and by the way, it took that for me and I will admit that, but I realized then that what happened to Jesse is 100% preventable. And we, it's going to take all of us taking responsibility for what's happening to our kids in order to be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. Yes. I can remember, um, busy Phillips, who is a actress and a, um, she's a celebrity. She's been on this podcast before, but I can remember we were singing at a cabaret together and she had just, she came in and she was so flustered and so um, upset. And I was asking her, why are you upset? And she was like, oh, my, my, you know, my five-year-old just had her first uh, shooter drill in her school. And she was just crying for the state of the world, like just saying like, yeah, you know, when I grew up, we were under our desks for hurricanes or tornadoes. You know, she grew up in Arizona. I guess it's a tornado. But she was like, you know, I, we would practice that. I, I, We didn't have to do that. I guess in the 50s, people went under their desks for missiles or bombs. But this feels just so scary. I can't believe that this is routine now. Active shooter drills. And I'm, I want to say most schools now. Um, and that is clearly not enough. Sandy Hook had just had an active shooter drill three weeks before the tragedy. Wow. They had all of the hardening technology. They had locked doors. They had alarms. They had everything that was possible. And it did not stop the shooting. Wow. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. 
For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome back to Katie's Crib. Obviously, the the losing Jesse has drastically changed your life. Um, but what I think is so remarkable about you is the work you're doing is benefiting all of our children. Can you tell us about your organization and how you started it? Yes, absolutely. So my organization is chooselovemovement.org. And I... I wanted to obviously be part of the solution. I I did not want any parent to have to go through what I did and they don't have to. And so I looked around, I started researching. I mean, what is the solution to this? Because what we are doing now clearly isn't working and doing the same thing over and over uh, and expecting a different result is somebody said definition of insanity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, right, insanity. So, um, so I really took a step back. I remember I practiced being present. So I was I was present at the firehouse. I was present for the journey afterwards, and I saw that there was a lot of polarization at that time. You were either pro gun or anti gun. Mm-hmm. I saw there was a lot of blame um, headed towards uh, Adam Lanza, who was the recent graduate of the Newtown school system, as well as his mother, who had uh, provided him with the gun and uh, both obviously responsible and a huge mistake. Um, But all of the blame was being put on guns and also on Adam and his mom. And I thought, wait a minute, that just didn't work for me. Yes, responsible. But if it were really all their fault, it would never have happened before. And it had many times and it would never happen again. And well, I can say now in the last nine years, it's happened over 350 times. Over 350 times. Over 350 school shootings in the last nine years, over 50 last year alone. Oh my God. And so I thought, wait a minute. Well, all of those aren't Adam Lanza's fault. Or his mother. Right. In one, right? So, so who do we blame? Whose responsibility is this? And the only thing that I could do since no one else was raising their hand was to say, I'm going to take my part of the responsibility so that I can be part of the solution. And I know what we're doing now isn't working. It's not working for bullying. It's not working for substance abuse. It's not working for uh, mental health and well-being. I mean, suicide, depression, anxiety. Um, so, so what is the solution? And I started researching and I, <laughs> and I got a, a, a huge directional push by my son, Jesse, when I came home, uh, actually to get his clothes for the funeral. Um, so it was a few days later, I found a message that he had written on our kitchen chalkboard and he had literally written three words, nurturing, healing, love. And the words were phonetically spelled because he was in first grade and just learning to write. But I, I knew immediately that if Adam Lanza had been able to give and receive nurturing, healing love, the tragedy would never have happened. It's so simple. It seems ridiculous, but simple isn't always easy. So I I took that message and I met with a doctoral professor and, uh, 
he, he did some research. He said those three words are in the definition of compassion across all cultures. And I said, well, how do I get these three words into schools? And he said, it's called uh, essential life skills programming and it's social and emotional learning, learning, character development, mindset and neuroscience and mindfulness and, you know, all of these things. And so I looked for programs. I went to the curriculum director. I'm giving you a little background. I love it. Do it. Okay. I'm I'm not interrupting you because I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, tell me more. This is literally the path that I took. And I went to the curriculum director at Sandy Hook breathless. And I said, this, these essential life skills are like how to have healthy relationships and meaningful connections, how to manage our emotions, how to face difficulty that happens in our lives and, and learn from it, grow through it, be strengthened by it, how to make responsible decisions, like just such important stuff that we're not born with. Right. We have to learn these skills and tools. And if you look at Adam Lanza's life, he was bullied. He was isolated riddled with anxiety. He had needs that were known that weren't met. It was just like, it it was a disaster. And I knew that if he had been taught these skills and tools that he could have managed Mm -hmm. because other kids have those things happen to them Mm -hmm. and and they make it through. Okay. So I went to the curriculum director and I said, uh, there's this that, you know, the, there are these essential life skills. Have you ever heard of them? And she's like, of course. And I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, we spent so much money on this program that we couldn't afford to train the teachers. So we sent a small contingent out and they were supposed to come back and train the trainer. And uh, that never happened. So the program never got out of the box. And I literally, that's literally branded in my brain because I thought, okay, Okay. That's what I'm going to do. I have to create a program that is comprehensive, everything that educators deserve. No matter what it costs, there's no. Right. We give them our most precious asset for the majority of the day. Now they're even facing this threat, but they show up for our kids and they, you know, they teach them so much. Uh, and, and so I thought they deserve this. Obviously our kids deserve the best of the best. So, um, I worked with doctoral professors and early childhood development specialists and educators, social workers, school counselors, um, just mental health professionals. We together, created this uh, really comprehensive, incredible program that literally distills the best of the best. And um, for me, it had to be no cost because my son was priced out of the market. It would have saved my son's life. And I know through research that this can reduce and prevent so much of the suffering that we're seeing. I mean, if you think about Uh, you know, where all of these things start, like take loneliness, for instance. I mean, we were having a loneliness super pandemic before the COVID pandemic, where over half of Americans were saying that they were lonely. 18 to 24 year olds were saying they were lonelier than senior citizens. All of this research was done on the deleterious effects of loneliness. Uh, It can cause inflammation in the body and ultimately lead to heart attacks and kill you. And, uh, and, and, you know, if you think about where loneliness starts, it starts with a thought (laughs) and a thought can be changed. And when I was at Jesse's funeral, I got up to speak and I, everybody was saying, what can we do? And I said, you know, this whole tragedy started with an angry thought in Adam Lanza's head. And an angry thought can be changed. That's something that we can control in our lives. So I asked everybody on that day to start thinking about what they think about, to change one angry thought into a loving thought. Wow. Already you started thinking that way on like that soon? I did. I'm so, so impressed and inspired by you. After that, all I could focus on was how do we fix this? (laughs) Because 
You can't have a six-year-old have to stand up to a maniacal shooter in his first grade classroom and have to act like a war hero. Jesse was given a commander-in-chief funeral because uh, reserved for heads of state and returning war heroes, he was considered one because his first grade classroom was a literal war zone. That is not going to happen in, in a country where I live. And so I have been literally like literally when I saw that message of nurturing, healing, love, I knew that that was Jesse handing me my mission in life. When did you actually start the organization? When did it actually start to materialize into like, okay, this is an organization. We are taking this into schools within a month. Holy mackerel, Landy. Wow. Can you give us a couple examples um, of like social emotional learning strategies that listeners could use that you picked up on or or things that are in the school program? Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. In fact, I will give all of your listeners our powerful formula. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That will, that will help them. They can use in their own life. I mean, teachers say that they use this as much as the kids. kids Sure. And by the way, we have a parent program that all of your listeners are welcome to go on and download. This is amazing. Hey, I've wrapped a bus. It's the (laughs) choose love bus. And during COVID I've taken this out to the kids and the educators themselves. I am, I'm serious about this. Wow. Um, but uh, the formula is very simple. It starts uh, with courage. And uh, courage, science tells us, is like a muscle. We can actually do things to help build our courage. And courage is the most important character value. We need courage in so many ways, every day, all day long, even when it's getting up in the morning and and having the courage to put our best foot forward when we don't feel like it. Mm. And so a few ways that we teach courage, one is brave breath. It's putting your right hand on your heart, your left hand on your belly. It's breathing in through your nose for four, holding that for four, and then breathing out for four. That helps relax you. It helps you to be able to get into the present moment. I've been talking about the present moment. The present moment is where life is happening. Um, A lot of us are usually in the past or in the future or on our phones. Every time we're on our phone, we are living somebody else's life, not our own. And uh, it's, it's imperative that we know about the present moment so that we can get in between what is happening to us and our response and and have a thoughtful response so that we can uh, return our locus of control. That's location of our control back to ourselves. Because when we feel like we don't have control, doesn't feel good, right? Uh, Things happen to us. We find ourselves blaming, finger pointing, fault finding, victiming. Yes, sure. Which can lead to anger. And uh, so this formula, and I just gave you the first character value is courage specifically designed to give us our personal power back so that we can be in control. We can make things happen. Uh, and we can be personally responsible for our lives. So the the first is courage, and then it goes ba- it goes based on Jesse's message, actually. So nurturing in Jesse's message um, literally means loving kindness and gratitude. So then gratitude is the next. And by the way, this is in order because it takes courage to be grateful when things aren't going your way. And, uh, you know, everyone's heard of gratitude, but we use it in a really special way. So we have tens of thousands of thoughts that go through our minds every single day. And, and all of your listeners do too. And we know through the latest neuroscience that the majority of our thoughts are negative. 
that's between 70 to 80%. And then over 95% of our thoughts are repetitive. So it's those same negative thoughts over and over and over again. Uh, So those of you out there with this, you are not alone. Our brain has a negative bias. It wants to keep us safe. Neuroscience tells us that our brains are like Velcro to negativity and like Teflon to positivity. So, so just having that self-awareness alone is really important. And then we use gratitude as a tool because you can only have one thought at a time. This is really cool. You will never forget this. I love telling kids this. You can only focus on one thought at a time. So in other words, when you're having angry, frustrated, resentful, lower energy thoughts, and you're ready to shift away, there's there's no judgment on anything that anyone is feeling because they're telling us something, even anger. Um, But when you're ready to shift away, you know, if you have prolonged anger, that is not good for you. So you can literally shift the focus of your lens to gratitude by thinking of something that you're grateful for. And there is always something to be grateful for. However, it might take courage if things aren't going your way, but there's, there's always something to be grateful for. And even in those early days, uh, after losing Jesse, you know, I had I had a lot to be grateful for. And also to have to show up for your other son. I can't imagine, you know, to to be there and be the mom and the bedrock of the family for JT. That is just oh. from the time at the firehouse, because he was there with me, yeah. watching me, listening to every word that I said intently analyzing every facial expression, gesticulation, even my energy. And I knew even on that day that I I was modeling for him in the moment how to face and handle challenges, roadblocks, and maybe even tragedy for the rest of his life. I was teaching him in the moment. So that realization helped me rise to the occasion and be the best version of myself. And I try to always be aware of that because I know that I am modeling that for him still. And, uh, and so gratitude gratitude is the second one. Then healing, go back to Jesse's message of nurturing healing. Healing literally means forgiveness and forgiveness is was one of the biggest tools that I used in order to survive and thrive. Um, Forgiveness is so, so powerful. I forgave Adam for sure. I forgave his mom. In fact, I felt compassion for them because I found out about Adam's life. And and I was a single mom, too, uh, struggling to get my boys everything that they needed. And, And I knew that she was alone in this process trying to do that. I knew that that, yes, they were responsible, but I also knew that that there were other people that were responsible too for what happened. And, uh, and I, and I felt compassion for him. He had suffered. We know that hurt people hurt people. So I knew that somebody that could do something so heinous must've been in a tremendous amount of pain. And it turned out that he was. And, and Mm -hmm. so um, forgiveness was really, really important for my journey, but it's so important for everybody to understand. And it, it was interesting because We knew that we wanted to start in schools and people said, you can't teach kids forgiveness because it's a really complicated, difficult type thing. And I, and, and it turns out that kids love forgiveness out of all the character values that we teach in the formula. Forgiveness is their favorite. It doesn't matter how old they are K through 12. It is incredible. They think it's a superpower. They say it feels so good to let it go. Turns out us big kids don't really understand it some of us still think it's a gift Mm. that we're giving somebody that hurt us who doesn't deserve it. Um, When in reality, when you look at the decades of research behind the benefits of forgiveness for the one who forgives, it's the gift of freedom. Yeah. I was not going to be another victim of Adam Lanza. I was not going to give him power and control over my thoughts 
that impact how I feel that then was going to impact how I showed up for my son and my other relationships. Absolutely not. But the only way that I could take my personal power back was cutting that cord that attached me to pain. And and the only way that I knew to do it was through forgiveness. Forgiveness. Amazing. So courage, gratitude, forgiveness into. Into nurturing, healing, love. And love is compassion in action. So compassion has two components. There is the identification component when you identify the need of another. And then the action component when you actively do something to help ease that need or pain. Now, it takes courage to forgive when the person who hurt you uh, isn't sorry, doesn't care, doesn't know. It takes courage to step outside of your own distraction and busyness and sometimes even pain and suffering to help somebody else. But what I have learned through my experience, and I've also watched Jesse's older brother learn as well, is that all of the nurturing, healing love we give to other people, all of the love and service that we do, we get back. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Educators also say that it reminds them why they became educators. Their favorite thing about teaching Choose Love is that they use it. For us, for me and for our listeners, how can we help? What can we do to get involved? How can we jump on board the Choose Love bus and um, help these numbers go down? Like, I don't, I don't want to hear 50 in 2022. I don't want that. Right. So, so if, if you literally look at Homeland Security's pathway to violence, it's a, it's a chart and it starts with a grievance and then it escalates uh, stair steps up different steps to an attack. And at the attack end is the hardening of schools. And, and I am all about hardening, unfortunately, because this is going on now, but what we realize just as important, if not maybe more important, is the culture of the school. When you have a connected, loving, compassionate culture, that can reduce and prevent a grievance from even happening. And if one does, you've got educators and students having the skills and tools they need to manage that grievance before it escalates. So this is so important. Uh, and, and all schools know that they need it now. So the amazing thing is in the last uh, six years since we've released this program, by word of mouth, it has spread to over 10,500 schools wow. in every state and 120 countries. This Bravo. all by word of mouth, mostly from those who have taught it, who have been you know, very happy with it and told their friends and parents, um, I wish that I had known about the importance of these essential life skills when I was a parent and I had gone to my school and made sure that they were implementing a comprehensive program. Most schools, if they don't have one, they're looking for one. I mean, I assumed what, when I, when I created this program, I literally was thinking in my mind gap filler because this is so vitally important. These are essential life skills that employers are looking for. Universities are looking for. These are the skills that lead us to flourishing. They're a pathway to flourishing. So I thought that everyone would have them. And it turns out less than 10% of us schools had a program and, and, and those that some of those that did were checking off the box with a, with a workshop, a a speaker that come that would come in or a week long kindness. That's not enough. A a school needs to embrace uh, this. And and the amazing thing is when they do uh, there's long-term research that shows that, that kids get better grades and test scores. They have higher attendance, higher graduation rates, less stress and anxiety. Not to mention secure relationships, confidence within themselves. Better relationships, better self-esteem. It's a statistically effective way to reduce and prevent bullying. And then later in life, they have less substance abuse, mm-hmm. less mental illness, oh, less incarceration. And then I joke less divorce rates. And then I raise my hand and say, see, I could have benefited um, because I, because I will readily admit I did not have a lot of these skills and tools. Before. I, I didn't. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. 
Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome back to Katie's Crib. Outside of Choose Love, are there um, any family traditions you have to this day to honor Jesse? Uh, well, on the anniversary, we gather as a family and just a few close friends at his gravesite. This year, I went to his favorite deli. So every morning, uh, we would stop, I would drive him to daycare and we would stop at this deli and we would get a sausage, egg and cheese sandwich. Um, he, for some reason, he didn't like bacon. He choked on bacon. So he always had to, and this was his favorite thing. And uh, the good mother that I am, he had half for breakfast and half for lunch. <laughs> it was, it was just, that's what he wanted. Right. So I was like, okay, yeah. it was so easy. Uh, so we, we would stop there every morning and uh, this little deli is now at the base of where he is buried, which is weird. I can sit, I have a, a granite bench and, and it faces his tombstone and I can smell the delicious smells coming out of the deli almost as a reminder of that day. So, so this year I literally went and bought a sandwich, a sausage, egg and cheese, and I brought it to his grave site, which was right around the corner. And I sat, I put one for him and I ate the other half. Um, a lot of the times we, um, we've released balloons for him. Um, we've written him messages. He's in everything. He's in everything that I do every single day. I continue to get really strong, beautiful messages from him to let me know that he's, he's still around and involved and, and loving me and his brother. And, uh, and so that's always nice. What other advice, uh, do you have for parents, um, whose family have gone through um, either I either the same tragedy or just something very tragic? During my research, I found this, um, this thing called post-traumatic growth. The vast majority of us actually grow through difficulty. If you think about how we're shaped and molded, it is often through hard times. And, and the feelings that you're feeling right now, and I'm speaking to your audience, if you're at the lowest of the low point, um, you're going to move through them. You are no feeling less. I've been there. <laughs> you know, uh, I will tell you that a couple of days after the tragedy, I'm sitting on my mom's couch and one of the social workers brought in this parent that had lost a son as well. And I hadn't spoken to anybody that had lost a child. And she sat down at my knee, she put her hand there and she said, I'm, I want you to know I have lost a child. So I know exactly what you're feeling. And I remember I just looked at her and, uh, for guidance, like, you know, what do you, how did you get through this? And she said, and I'm here to tell you that you will always feel this pain. You will never get through it. And I just, but it, you know what? It turned out to be a blessing because I put my hand up in her face and I literally said, like in front of her face, I said, stop, stop. I don't want to hear anymore because that's your experience. And I am going to forge my own path 
This is going to be my own experience. And then I realized right then and there that I wasn't going to go off of someone else's experience. I was going to create my, my own. And it was up to me. And I learned right then and there, like, I don't know, a few days after the tragedy, I'm like, all right, I'm in this and it's going to be what I want it to be. And I started thinking about what I wanted it to be. I knew that I had to model for my older son, JT, 12 years old at the time. Wow. It sounds like JT has been incredible with coping thanks to you. Uh, uh, But I think I was reading that you had said something like it it helped you to learn about what other people are going through that might be something similar, like the Rwandan genocide, which I've been to Rwanda and I've seen that. But does it help you to know, um, again, that you're just not alone, I'm assuming? We did have that incredible experience where orphan genocide survivors Skyped with JT in his room. He did not want to go back to school. I didn't want him to go back to school. He doesn't know this to this day, but I will never force him (laughs) to go to school Mm -hmm. again. And uh, they Skyped to him. And, you know, these were people who have survived the horrible, horrible horrible, atrocities as well. Horrible. Like Rwanda in 1994 had a over 1 million Tutsis were murdered by their neighboring Hutus in 90 days. And these had been young kids. They'd seen their families murder all of their friends, their neighbors. They grew up in camps. And uh, they said, the first thing they said to JT through an interpreter was, we heard about what happened to your little brother all the way over here in Rwanda. We want you to know that you're going to be okay and you're going to feel joy again. And I, I listened. I thought, wow, these are people that have been through something worse than we have. They're telling us that we're going to be okay and feel joy again. I'm going to listen. And then they started talking a lot about forgiveness and a lot about gratitude. And of course they were practicing compassion and action by, by seeing a need and then reaching out to them. And so later on that evening, JT came into the living room and he said, I'm going to school tomorrow. And I said, you are? And he said, yeah. And I'll never forget this. He said, those kids reached out to me in love and I'm going to reach back out to them and I'm going to start raising money and I'm going to send them to university. Um, So he literally went back and started an organization called Newtown Helps Rwanda. I will always wear this band, always, always on my wrist. And he raised enough money to send two of those orphan genocide survivors to university. Holy smokes. That's amazing. Yeah. He Skyped back with that same group. He announced to, uh, to, to a woman named Betty. And I remember she collapsed. Oh, this is so. Oh, it was inspiring. amazing. He's 13 years old. Oh my gosh. How uh, old is JT now? He's 21. Wow, Scarlett. Wow. Yeah. A question. What would you ask Jesse if he were here today? Um, Gosh, that is a good question. What would I ask him? I would probably ask if he were here today. I know that he started me on this whole journey. I think I would probably ask him if there was anything that I could be doing more. (laughs) (laughs) Such a Um, mom answer. (laughs) It's so good. Yeah, because, you know, he he literally directed me on this path. The other thing is, though, he left a message for his older brother, too. And JT found it on his desk, all folded up, and it said, have a lot of fun. He did? Yeah. Yeah. And that informs everything that we do in the Choose Love movement, too, because fun and unstructured play is so vitally important to our children. And, and actually I say to kids and us big kids, cause I consider myself a big kid. A lot of this stuff is for all of us. It's not just for kids. It's for us as well. It's, it's for all humans. Gosh, my goodness, Scarlett. I am so, so filled up from this episode and so, um, impressed by you and by the Choose Love movement. And I want all of our listeners to please go check out again. Can you tell us the website again, please? Yeah, please. Uh, Chooselovemovement.org. If you all would help us spread the message on social media, go to your schools, 
introduce this, uh, talk about it to your friends, download it. This is bringing everybody that practices Choose Love together across the world. And um, it's just a lot of fun. You know, we have one life to live, to be present, uh, the, the way to live your life with the fewest regrets. Uh, moms and dads out there is to be present with the ones that you love. love. Again, just so impressed and inspired by you. And I'm so thankful for you for coming on to Katie's crib and taking time, Scarlett Lewis. And again, everyone, um, the website will be linked. We'll be we'll be posting about that and also her books, Nurturing Healing Love, which is her memoir of her journey towards choosing love and forgiveness. And then the book From Sandy Hook to the World, uh, which is how you founded the Choose Love Movement. Again, Scarlett, thank you so, so, so much for coming on Katie's Crib. Thank you, Katie, so much. Thank you again, Scarlett, for coming on to the show. And thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Katie's Crib. I appreciate you all tuning in to this episode. I am really grateful for this platform and community where we can go through this together. Take care of yourselves, please. And I will talk to you more next week.